Hello guys, gals, and non-binary pals. I'm your host, Ajay, and this is Win and Forks, a weekly Twilight podcast where two 20-something lesbians ruin everything you love about the international best-selling series by Stephanie Meyer. Thanks for tuning in. Hi, Taylor. Hello. I'm so excited for our pilot episode. Me too. I've been looking forward to this all week because this week's been really stressful. It's been crazy. I am ready to like speak to another human being instead of just watching television for, you know, 90 some hours straight. I was just anxiously looking at my Twitter feed and looking at little snippets here and there. Like I just it's always so overwhelming for me because I never know where to go. So, wow, that was the longest week of my life. Truly, this is the perfect way to decompress and talk about something a little fun that we both are so passionate about. Exactly. Thank God that we have the man child out of office. I mean, there's still a lot of work to do, but I'm glad we're heading in some sort of right direction. Um, And I think this is the perfect way to talk about the meme you sent me on Twitter about who we would elect for president in the Twilight universe. This is such a tough question. I want you to go first. I want to hear your rationale and then I'll pitch what I'm thinking. Okay. Well, the world doesn't deserve Leah Clearwater or Esme or uh, Seth or anyone. So I think the only logical I feel explanation would be to go with Carlisle, I guess, you know, he's a man of science. He keeps a level head, you know, he tries to keep the peace. So I feel like he would be a good fit. I feel like he's the only option because everyone else is just like either the world doesn't deserve them or they're just like too much of like a baby. Like I can't trust you. I do like that rationale. That's a little bit what I was thinking too. Basically, personally, I would like to appoint Carlisle to the coronavirus uh, task force and be the head of that with Fauci. Um, I feel like he could offer some really valuable insight, having uh, you know been a doctor for many centuries. And I think that Alice could be a great VP and really work her way up so she can take over the presidency someday. I just feel like they're so powerful. Yeah, no, I definitely could see Alice as the VP. You know, she does have those visions could come in handy oh, love that. could come in handy um they'd have to work around that a little bit just because like the public would be like how do you know so many things before it happens like there would be so many conspiracy theories um so they would definitely have to watch out for that QAnon is coming for her but it's fine we can fight them off yeah so I think we're in agreement I think Carlisle for president Alice for VP with obviously we have Esme as the first lady wow the the fact that we just the the, the fact that this is what America could be (laughs) if only if only um so yes hi um I'm Ajay one of the hosts of this lovely podcast my pronouns are she her and I thought it'd be fun to give a funny little embarrassing Twilight fact about myself. So my funny embarrassing fact is that 
when I was 16, 17, whatever time that the movie Abduction came out, I was super team Jacob. I went to the mall with my sister. We went to a kiosk. We got shirts made. She was a huge Justin Bieber fan back then. I was obviously a huge Taylor Lautner fan. This is when I thought I was straight. Don't hold it against me. And I got a shirt spray painted with the movie poster of abduction on it that said, Mrs. Taylor Lautner and a fake anniversary date on it and wore it to the abduction premiere in public. That's absolutely incredible. Um, I'm thoroughly obsessed with that. My name is Taylor Gates. My pronouns are she, her. And I also have a t-shirt story for you guys. And that is when I went and saw, I think it was the second Breaking Dawn, but it could have been the first. Um, in theaters, my friends and I all decided to make our own t-shirts. We didn't, we weren't as fancy as bougie to get them printed, but we made them with that, you know, like shirt paint on a white t-shirt. And they were all fighting over what team they were going to be, if they were going to be the team Jacob shirt, the team Edward shirt. And I was like, you know what? I am team Esme. And that was also when I thought I was straight, but I should have known that I wasn't just based off of that. Oh Not yeah, for sure. <laughs> no, that's that says a good it all. Story. That Thank does you. say it all. Um, you were standing the women at the time. I was, was. I, was be, I was in my not like other girls era and I hate that about myself. <laughs> But yeah, no, my house was a very uh, tension-filled house because I was Team Jacob, my sister was Team Edward, so it was sibling rivalry to the fullest, Um, but thankfully, we did not hold it against each other. The reason why uh, we started this podcast is because in the year of 2020, everyone's in their twilight renaissance era and we never left so we thought it would be great to maybe voice our frustrations and just have a little fun you know take a little trip back to forks washington and i'm like super excited to just dive into the books again since it's been so long and point all point out all the things i like didn't like Um, just really love the character of Bella because I didn't start out loving her as much and now she's like my favorite person so we are super super excited to be bringing that to the table and um, yeah yeah yeah. and we're gonna have special guests on the podcast mostly that just consist of our actual real life friends who obviously have a tie to the Twilight series too who doesn't I feel like everyone has a tie to it you know it's it was just such a cultural thing when we were going through our middle school junior high years that it you can't miss you can't not know what Twilight is at this point oh see y'all started young I started in 10th grade I'm so embarrassing Oh no, I was like, I was like in middle school and I remember buying the book of Barnes and Noble and my mom saw it and was like, I don't know that this is going to be appropriate, like thinking it was going to be so gory and it, it's just a complete diary of thirst, which is just so funny. Like my mom was worried about all the wrong things in this book. So Taylor, tell me, um, what was your past team, if you have one, and what is your current team? You know, my team's haven't changed a lot I've always been a lot more interested in 
the Cullen family. Like that's just why I was so drawn to it because it's just such an interesting dynamic and unit for me. I love like a good chosen family story. So I just didn't really care about the love triangle aspect of it all. I mean, I love it, you know, for what it is. But that, I was never like hardcore team anyone, I wouldn't say. I was like, okay, let's, yeah, that's, that's, that's part of it. But let's dive into the smaller characters. That's why I love this, you know, story and this piece of media. So it hasn't really changed. And still really, that's why I continue going back to it, I think. So current team, team Colin family. That's fair. I, I feel like the teams always kind of change because like, for example, when I was 16, I obviously thought, oh, it's like Team Edward versus Team Jacob. And when you say that, to me, it means who would you rather Bella be with? Hence why totally. um, my past team when I was like 16 up until I was like 18, 19 was Team Jacob. And now I'm strictly Team Bella because I don't like her or want her with either of them. So that's how I feel about it but then also teams can be like team in reference to what characters you really love and like who you stand so um in that aspect I'm I'm team I'm on many teams I'm team Emmett I'm team Rosalie I'm team Leah I'm team Seth team Wolfpack in general um, I love that we have both perspectives you have you yeah know, you are like very interested in the wolves I love the vampire aspect and I will say you're gonna throw some shade my way for this but if I had to pick in the love triangle especially when I was younger I think I would have picked Edward so I mean I can't really fault you for that because that's the way it's written and that's how it's supposed right. to be and to be honest their team Jacob doesn't really exist because there was never a love triangle. I don't know why she tried to sell us on that. So I know you wanted to talk about the writing style of the first few chapters. So I'm gonna let you do your thing. Okay, so it's funny because I haven't picked up this book in a while. I've, I've watched the movies a lot more than I've read the book. I haven't read the book in, in years. And Same. I started reading it and this isn't a dig at any kind of writing style, not not fan fiction or even really this book, but I just had had to notice some of the similarities of like the Wattpad-esque-ness of this book. There's so much focus on uh, certain things, like the clothes she wears and how she describes her favorite outfit as like the white eyelet lace with a parka in her backpack and a plain black jacket and and she notices the smell of her shampoo is like strawberries and all of those things are just such a stylistic thing that fan fiction has adopted and I want to know what came first like did Twilight kind of start this revolution of this is the way that you write a protagonist or was Stephanie Meyer inspired by the writing style that that was kind of popular at that time like I, I just want to know what came first you know what I mean I just I couldn't help but notice that and I was like wow that if if Twilight is something that spurred this like it really spurred it because that's in so many pieces that I read you know on a Wattpad or a fanfiction on that or whatever yeah no I totally agree with you I I would even possibly say it's both because if you remember the whole Anne Rice, I think situation of there was, uh, she wrote a vampire novel or some sort of novel and uh, there was fan fiction. This is way before Stephanie Meyer, I think was even writing and 
she completely, completely um, was upset that people were writing fan fiction based off of her work and she like sued them, which is why there's a lot of the copyright disclaimers that people put in their fan fiction because of this specific situation. So I think it's a bit of both. I think you're onto something, to be honest. That's really interesting. I, I didn't know that, but that I would love to like go back to school and just like write a 80 page thesis on that. Ooh. Yeah. Like, let me get and my then, doctorate based on this question. <laughs> the way that we could be doctors of Twilight. <laughs> I would love that, actually. Same. Harvard, be, if you're interested in developing a program with us, we're available. Yes. But yeah, no, in terms of the writing style, it's definitely very interesting. And I definitely know what you're talking about, just because the weird phrasing of certain objects really gets to me or certain tasks for example when she says solid iron affairs to talk about the truck or where she talks about her childhood but references it as baby days hence the title of this episode designer origin to describe expensive clothing when she's talking about the cullens like what is this it's like stephanie meyer was like i need to hit a word count so let me put she in just no she words. she just discovered what a thesaurus is like that's what it feels like to me she's like ooh let me punch in you know truck and then solid art affairs comes out she's like yeah that that should work here like that's what I feel like happened she's like this is my first novel let me put in all the wordy words I can find and another thing I noticed is there's always too much description and not enough action like I just don't understand why we need to have a 20 page long inner monologue of Bella just doing mundane human things like this is a vampire novel like let's get to it like let's not waste any time there's no reason when we have plot points to hit and um she also does this thing of telling us instead of showing us in terms of dialogue which I absolutely cannot stand by her sometimes I'm like oh I hate you when I'm reading this because she's very like she does it in like not even a sneaky way like for example when Edward is at the hospital with Bella after he saves her from getting hit by the truck and he's talking to Tyler and he's like no blood no foul it's like we get it you're a vampire like we know no this. Like, stop you don't need listen you need that I think that is I think that is like the one charming thing about this. Like, I feel like that's that's so punny to me, and I like, I love all those punny, Easter eggs. I'm obsessed with punny, it. But it's the worst. Like, I'm just like, shut up, no. Like, I it. love it. You don't like the cheesiness of it, and I do, and that's the difference between us. No, but it's not cheesy. It's just like, what the fuck, dude. Or when she goes internally, no one is going to bite me. It's like, again, we get it. This is a vampire novel. Like, please, Stephanie Meyer, like, you're not, like, we know this from the book jacket already. Beating the dead horse just mercilessly. Like, can you please just be cool for, like, five seconds? Find the chill. Find the chill. And then there's also the aspect of Bella, our main character, my boo, my baby, my pride and joy. So what were you thinking? I know you had said you had some, you were shocked a little bit when you were getting into your reread. Yeah, she's so much less passive in these books than she is in the film, which I find really interesting because I know that's like a main area of critique when people are talking about kind of how Kristen Stewart played her. 
Um, mm-hmm. And I, I don't think we can blame it all on Kristen Stewart either. I think obviously the script comes into play, the you know directing comes into play. I, I don't think we can blame it necessarily on her 100%. But it is interesting to know that in the book, she has so many more stronger opinions and is sassier and makes all this stuff known. Um, she, you know, really pressures her dad when she, he's talking about the age of the truck and she wants to know about the age of the truck and she yeah. is kind of emo. She said her goodbyes to the sun when she left Phoenix. I just feel like she has so much more of like a kind of backbone to her and she's just much more assertive in the book than she, than she feels in the movie to me. For sure. I, she's, she's very also a little judgmental. And she also hates being the center of attention. Okay, but does she? Because here's the thing. She's like, I hate being the center of attention. And then she's like, oh, Mike and Eric are fighting over me. Like, interesting. I'm the new shiny toy here. I'm like, shut up. You don't hate this. You're loving every second of this. But isn't that such like a teenager though? Because it's like, think about it. For example, when you liked someone or you thought someone was cool, like you wanted them to like you, but you hated the fact that you wanted them to like you. Totally. You know? I just think it's so funny how she contradicts herself constantly yeah. on this. She's like, I don't, I want to blend in. And then she's like, oh, they stopped looking at me. That's a little upsetting. <laughs> Girl, <laughs> you're not fooling anyone here. A self-aware queen, I would say. <laughs> and she's also a bit of a people pleaser, I would say. I mean, just look at her just, coming to live in this place that she thinks is god-awful to begin with she's also just so funny like she's so funny to me just in the things she says or does um when it's not being a little offensive but when she was saying once people start throwing wet stuff I go inside I was like Bella you are me I am you that's you're my baby exactly like fuck that the line that got me was my temper was hardwired to my tear ducts and I was like okay you don't have to be so loud and call me out like this like I'm an angry crier as well I also just Mm. think she's so like she's so funny like we were talking about like the way that she uses these like huge words and wants to be I feel like she wants to sound really sophisticated too where was the feel of the institution I wondered nostalgically just like (laughs) describing her school I'm obsessed and the fact that they're this can't be that small of a school there's six buildings so that seems pretty institutional to me even though there's you know a small amount of kids I first of all don't understand how that math works out but get a grip it's a high school like it's not you're not at Oxford right now like the student to building ratio is not adding up the math is Is everyone in their own building like I don't understand honestly but yeah Bella moves to Forks from Phoenix to live with her dad and I just think that it's just like night and day when it, when comparing Renee to Charlie um yeah. there's just little things that we get in these first three chapters that isn't even a lot that doesn't even cover a full page I would say but like just little things here and there that just tally up to the kind of parent that Charlie is and the type of parent that Renee is what were you thinking I totally agree and I've always had the feeling of although Charlie Charlie is the quiet one he does kind of stay out of her way feel like he cares about her so much and that's so obvious whereas I think that Renee although they have a natural sort of repertoire and obviously Bella says they're really close I feel like she's a lot more selfish than Charlie in a way 
Um, obviously, Bella is comfortable doing the cooking and shopping. She did it for Renee, but and now she's offering to do it for Charlie. I think that says a lot about her having responsibility at both of these places. But the little detail that really got me and that makes me really love Charlie so much is the snow chains. How he puts these on her car, doesn't even tell her, and it makes her feel so taken care of, which really was, like brings tears to my eyes because yeah. he really does care a lot. He just has a hard time verbalizing it, I think. Whereas I think Renee is very verbal about it. And I think that she does love Bella in her own way, but in terms of being a caretaker, I don't really see that from her. I see her as kind of a BFF type role. For sure. Yeah, I just, just, just the little things that she, she's like that aunt that checks in every once in a right. while, which she's very, you know, scatterbrained. And it's not her fault per se, but at the same time, it's like, ma'am, come on. Like the way that she waited two wait days to contact her daughter who was going to a new place to live and it was by like email was just unacceptable to me and like if was that was written... my child I would have been like ca- like call me when you land call me like send me a text do something like there's no there's just there's no acceptable reason for her to have waited so long to check in with her daughter like come on now yeah and I don't I guess I when was this written was this 20 2008 earlier 2005 2005 okay a lot earlier so maybe she doesn't have a cell phone on her but Charlie has a home phone that she should have that number you know there are ways around that that's not just emailing Bella's like oh she's so frantic I'm like she doesn't seem that frantic to me like she hasn't heard from you when you got off this plane. Seriously, my mom literally is always like, call me when you land. She waits for me to like get on the plane. Like she like, I'm just like, I cannot imagine. Like that's just ridiculous to me. And Bella constantly putting on like a show for Renee. Like it's obvious she doesn't want to go to Forks at all. But like, I feel like Renee is just so into like what she wants and what she expects to happen that she's just like oh Bella is gonna be fine like Bella will adjust and it's like um ma'am maybe just look and listen to like the way your daughter is like responding to this maybe because I feel like there's some tells here yeah exactly and then with Charlie it's like like you said he doesn't really show his emotions very well and for me when you said that and just even reading it I feel like it kind of ties into possibly why maybe their marriage didn't work out because Charlie seems to be the kind that like just does things or is very like he loves differently so maybe it was just like not in the way that Renee was expecting and she just kind of got like tired of it and their lifestyles too I mean Renee's traveling all over she's now with a baseball player and he's very much you know he's lived in Forks his whole life he comes home he eats the same thing for dinner he goes to the same diner every week he's he's very routine oriented and likes this simple kind of life and Renee's definitely wanting you know something bigger I think yeah he's definitely he loves the feel of like a small town whereas Renee is like you can't keep me tied down like don't do that and so I can exactly. see where that clashes. Speaking of Charlie, um, there's a couple things that I just need to talk about. Um, he has a huge crush on Carlisle. Hello? As like, he should. As he should. Um, I ship it. 
but it's just the when when he said it's a good thing he's happily married um what's he trying to say sir uh, like we know we know that you're quote unquote talking about the nurses there but like the fact that that even came out of your mouth either he's a bi king or he doesn't care about toxic masculinity either way we have to stand like you want him to take your temperature sir just say that just say it it's okay <laughs> yeah but i think that also like that kind of speaks to charlie's like moral compass i guess too he's like yeah everyone in the town thinks they're weird but screw that like they're good people I see you know past all the noise and I like that like he does have convictions even though he's a very quiet sort of like guy in the background sometimes yeah um also about Charlie like he's never had food in the house according to Bella so it begs the question of what did he eat all of these years and what did he feed Bella when she visited because I'm Uber eats all day baby Uber eats all day (laughs) seriously I could probably oh my gosh can you imagine him ordering like a pizza and be like make this last for a week oh that's absolutely how he is he has everything is frozen he orders it and he freezes it and then he heats it back up or and or he orders like the banquet linguine steak and potatoes microwave meals stop I just know that to be true I know that in my soul Oh my gosh. No, I don't blame him though. I do that sometimes where it's like, I just oh, yeah. make food. Like you got to do what you got to do. Okay. He's not made of money. During quarantine, are we all not Charlie a little bit? Yeah, no. 100%. 100%. Um, We're instantly initiated into the main friend group. I find it kind of funny that Stephanie Meyer was like, I don't have time to develop like really good relationships with people. So we're just going to throw her in to a friend group. Um, totally. Even though we, we could have spent like 20 pages talking about her blouse to have her have genuine like connections with people, but that's neither here nor there, you know? In her whatever. defense though, sometimes in small towns, that is kind of how it works. You just kind of get absorbed into an already existing like ecosystem, you know? Yeah, that is true. But yeah, we get our mean girls TM in the group, which is Lauren and sort of Jessica. I wouldn't say Jessica's that much of a mean girl. She does say a lot of snide comments. Jessica's um, a she's prep. a teenager. Like, Jessica's the properest prep. Like she's the valedictorian. 100%. She's student council president. She's uh, like she's just like hyper involved. I think that's what I, I think of when I think of Jessica. Yeah, and, and then like Lauren, has some some air of superiority because she is just doing everything all the time. No, yeah, no, I think one hundred percent that that tracks. That makes sense. <laughs> and then Lauren, just so far, um, she has blonde hair. That's all we know. But she's a mean girl. Comes, she's got blonde hair. But what I noticed just from reading a lot of YA over the years, and then just knowing the formula by now she's practically just like a cardboard cutout that the author just likes to use sometimes as like a plot device to like if it's in terms of like other YA novels to like be in in a roadblock for the main girl and the love interest or you know it's it's very unnecessary it's like let's give female characters more depth 2020 okay and then we get (laughs) <laughs> and then we get our girl Angela <laughs> love love me some Angela I really do I feel like she and Bella like are really 
strong friendship because I feel like there's mutual understanding and like very similar personalities at play there 100% I ship them I have proof of my ship we will get to it in later chapters but there's proof that my ship had somewhere to go I would say another person that really deserves better and deserves more of a yeah. role in this series. I would have loved, I would have loved it if Angela was the one that was a vampire. I feel like that would have been Ooh. fun. Ooh. Ooh. I love that. I think, I think it would have been a great love story in general, but like, I feel like Stephanie Meyer hates the gays. So, yeah. <laughs> we'll get to that too. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Speaking of that, which do you think she cried the most at? Turning 30 or Alexander turning blue this week? Oh, man. I think it's pretty even. <laughs> I think there were tears shed everywhere. Yeah. I feel like she cried for like six months when she hit 30. Yeah. That just wow. gives me that vibe. Those vibes. For sure. And then we got the guys. Uh, we got Mike, we got Eric, we got Tyler. Um, Bella, something funny that she talks about Mike like throughout the chapters. It was where she's like, I gotta do something about Mike. I just, I just love that she's like so self aware, but she's also like an egotistical queen sometimes because it's like, she's like, she's like soaking <laughs> it all up, but she's also like, okay, this is getting a little bit desperate at this point. Right, she's like, I gotta do something about Mike. He's catching a crush. Ma'am, what if he was he just, knows. We, like, we know, and she knows. But, like, what if he was just being friendly? What if he was just being a bro? There's like, no way. He's been... following her. She says golden retriever so many times. That there's just, I there's know. No... <laughs> there's no I know, way. But, but I'm just saying. I'm just saying. You know? <laughs> I just think it's funny that she said that. She just, oh, she cracks me up. I love her so much. I don't know what I was drinking or what I was on at 16 when I was just like, I don't really like her. You're wrong. You were on 16-year-old hormones. That's, you get a pass. Okay, thank you. I appreciate it. Of course. Thank you. Um, So they're all kicking it up at the lunch table, and then the Cullens walk in. Um... I was thinking about this when I was reading it and then also just having had the week to marinate on it when she describes the things that they look look like physically, like they're unhumanly beautiful, but then they have like purple bruises under their eyes. Now, knowing what we know, I'm gonna jump ahead a little bit. If you haven't read the book, spoiler alert, they're vampires. What? (laughs) What? 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 I was thinking, do you think the reason they have the bruises under their eyes is because they don't fully drink human blood and it's a result of them drinking animal blood yeah I think probably and I think when they're thirsty it's probably more like obvious and also I've been thinking about this too and maybe this started the whole thirst over the Victorian ghost children looking celebrities you know, oh, like Timothy Chalamet, <laughs> right? This is what I'm. <laughs> that is who came to mind when they were like the bruises under the eyes, the super. I'm like, it's Tim, it's Timmy. <laughs> like, perhaps this was the start of all of that. Right. I I was thinking about that. I was like, I have to ask Taylor about it when we get on the podcast. But yeah, we we get the Cullens. You know, they're a they're a very odd 
uh, set a peak. And they are the complete opposite of everything Bella is. Like, they're the center of attention. They're rich. They're beautiful, quote-unquote. Um, which is interesting to me that she was drawn to them just because she kind of rejects that with everything yeah. that she, I guess, is. So I don't know if this is just Stephanie Meyer projecting and being like, I hate the brokies. I want to be rich. Well, I we think can... that she's just, she's just immu- like, no one is immune to their power, I think is the point. Like, she doesn't want to be drawn into them, but I feel like they're just so, like, irresistible to look at. Like, you have to love to hate them a little bit. Yeah, I could see that. I can see that. Um, And then on top of being inhumanly beautiful, they look terrifying. So I don't know why she would be even pulled into that. I'd be like, okay, don't hang out with them. Cool, cool, cool. Um, and she notices that Edward is the only one that isn't, like, coupled up because apparently that's a thing with the Collins. Like, they're all related, but they're not. That's not okay. They're, like, it's a people of course think that's weird. I'm, like, as they should. They can't be adopted and dating. That's so yeah. wrong on so many levels. Like, I, I, I find that hilarious, though. But you know what? Rich people can get away with anything. So, like, I guess it's realistic. Yeah, um, good point. And um, first instance of Bella being our bi queen is when she is describing, like, paragraphs of how beautiful she thinks Rosalie is, as she should. And she's valid she, for it. She's valid for it. I, oh, my God. Another thing I think would have been a great, a great way to have the series is just the love story between Bella and Rosalie and then Emmett just being there being like their third I think Ruffle let's go Ruffle I I would have stand so hard um but yeah everybody's cool and calm and collected they keep to themselves and then Jessica hits her with that oh um, don't even look at Edward Cohen's direction because he don't be dating like that and she's <laughs> like oh Okay, and it's okay. so funny. <laughs> and she was like, oh, I wonder when, like internally, she goes, oh, I wonder when Jessica got turned down by Edward. And I'm like, ma'am, oh my gosh. It's so, it's so catty. I'm like, I kind of love it though. I did too. She just Bella, read her to filth, just on the spot. She's Bella known her for 35 seconds and she's immediately... 35. I love Bella so much. And uh, uh, this is a Bella Swan fan club, if you weren't aware in the first like five minutes of this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, Edward Cullen is staring at her and she's just like, what the fuck is this dude's problem? He's picking a bagel with long, pale fingers. His mouth is moving very quickly. Are you not picturing a rat? Oh my god! I'm picturing a rat just like eating a piece of bagel. That is not a sexy description for me, and we're gonna get into that more because the descriptions that are supposed to be sexy are just like the funniest things in the whole world to me. But that's the first instance I was like, no, like that's terrifying to me. This book is like obscenely kind of like horny in all the wrong places. It's just too <laughs> sensual for no reason, and it's like, ma'am. Can you please be cool? Like it's getting weird. <laughs> please. Like I don't want to. I don't want to hear about his slim collar. But like, ew! I don't. Enough. I'm not comfortable. 
Like, what is happening right now? But, you know, uh, Edward Cullen is, again, acting like a weirdo, um, not being cool like his siblings. And he clearly has an issue with her because she gets into the class and the fan blows and he does the iconic, ooh, that bitch stank face. And she's like, why? Why does he do this? And so he's really rude to her and it causes her to cry when on her first day of school. And I'm like, okay, fuck you. Um, and I think that's probably the thing that started my I hate Edward Cullen like agenda. We'll see. We'll see if it sticks throughout this entire like podcast. I feel like it will. We'll discuss the pros and cons. We'll look at we this will. with a with a critical eye. <laughs> Absolutely. I will I will make a PowerPoint presentation. It's also really funny because, you know, he obviously has an issue with her and Bella, our girl. She thinks that she's, like, hot enough to make Edward drop out of school because he, like, ditches for, like, five days. And she's like, I can't be the reason, like, he dropped out of school, right? Like, if it is cool, but am I? And I'm like, Bella, I need that confidence. Like, that's power. She has power. She really I does. love that. I love that for her, too. And then it's also funny because she's, like, sad he's gone on day two. This man has done nothing but give her a ooh, bitch, you stank face. Tried to drop out of their class together. And she's like, oh, I miss him. Girl, you missed what? His, his snarl? His Works mean must be eyes? real boring. His, his sexy fighting with the school secretary? Oh, my gosh. Oh, the velvet voice thing. Dear God, please. Why? Why? Obsessed. And, and then... <laughs> and then... A week later, his ass is back in class and he's like talking up a storm and like being the complete opposite of a douchebag. And it's like, Bella's like, what the fuck is going why, on here? Why are they in biology lab yet feeling all this chemistry? Am I right? Taylor, please. <laughs> <laughs> that was a Stephanie Meyer joke right there. That was a, that was almost as bad as no one will bite me. <laughs> oh my God. No, I mean, I you get A for effort. An A Thank for you. effort. Yeah. The Onion Lab. I just obsessed with the Onion Lab of it all. Like, what a, what a specific, like, setting to have this in. It's so iconic. Oh, my God. I just realized that it, I hate Stephanie Meyer. Onion, garlic, vampires are a I can't stand her. It's <laughs> so good. It's so good. She threaded I so many it. things into this. I do have to say this scene I, I know that we're, we're not team Edward here however and I know <laughs> I know it was sort of the bare minimum you know the way that he's like you know being nice to her now however mm-hmm. I do really appreciate the fact that she feels seen by him and he yeah. notices that she's not happy and listen I'm an Enneagram for and all we long for is to be understood. And I feel like I really love this because he understood her and that made her feel some kind of way. No, listen, listen, I agree. When I read that, I was like, he's like the only one who sees how uncomfortable she is. Like, I, I get like it. That. That's really sweet. Like, it's more because it's I not just surface level. Oh, they, 
they he smells her and he has copper hair like I don't care but the fact that like he's paying attention to her and understands inherently sort of what she's going through or makes her feel like she's not alone in these thoughts at least it's just sweet you know I really like that detail yeah me too I was like okay all right you get a little something something from me bare minimum like you said but the bar's on the ground but you did step over it so exactly um but this is also the first or second indication that Bella notices that they're not normal like she makes a note of his cold fingers ew and his golden topaz eyes um which is interesting um (laughs) Like, oh my God. And also, uh, take a shot every time Bella calls him a beautiful boy because it's like five million times in like the so many. three chapters. It's like, <laughs> I don't drink, but I would be dead if I did. This this book should have been called Beautiful Boy instead of the memoir and the movie with Timothy Chalamet. <laughs> oh my God. Can we get this made? Am I wrong? <laughs> you know what? We're both screenwriters. Let's write the script. Let's do, do it. it. Here <laughs> um and then chapter three uh bella an- another iconic scene uh bella almost dies and he saves her she's like oh my god i'm already the center of attention now everybody's really paying attention to me uh she meets daddy carlisle she's like oh he's fine as hell um charlie's right charlie was right i mean charlie charlie has case like, Charlie knows what's up. Charlie is in love with him. He is. It's canon. It's canon, right? And uh, this is where Edward gets back on my shit list because he treats her as if it was her fault that he decided to be in her business and save her. Like, and it really just, I'm just like, dude. <laughs> and dude. I also want to know the serial killer vibes in some of these descriptions. I'm going to read some direct quotes. It surprised me when he chuckled under his breath. There was an edge to the sound. Terrifying. The more terrifying one, his tone questioned my sanity, but it only made me more suspicious. It was like a perfectly delivered line by a skilled actor. That would have me running the direction. He says nobody will believe that, you know. That's so creepy. Yeah, that's straight up gaslighting. Straight it's up gaslighting. It's so sketchy. It's the worst. Like, that just makes you look even more suspect. But he gives all the normal lines, like, I was standing right next to you. You don't know what you're talking about. You hit your head. I think confused. And then when he realizes that it's not working, instead of just dropping, he's like, well, no one's going to believe you. You think anybody's going to think? No. And I'm like, bro, bro. And she's like, this? Is true love. And it's not me with the guy with the butterfly. Is this true love? Have you seen that one TikTok where it's like, I hate you. I genuinely despise you. I've tried to kill you so many times and nothing's worked. And then the other one's like, you want to fuck me so bad. It makes you look stupid. That's them in this scenario. Edward's like, Edward's like, I hate you. I genuinely despise you. And Bella's just like, man, ooh, you want to kiss me so bad? He is feeling me <laughs> but no like he literally gaslights the fuck out of her and she's just like oh i'm horny and i'm like bella please love yourself please please <laughs> please and, 
And then that's when we are given the iconic line. And that was- Let's say it together. Time. Yeah. Ready? Yeah. That was, was the first, the first night. night I dreamt. I dreamt of Edward, Edward Cullen. We really yeah. struggled with that, but it is a very iconic line. Very iconic line. And I was, I know she wasn't, but I was really hoping that she was dreaming of punching him. She was dreaming of punching him with her lips, on his lips, maybe. Ew. <laughs> I'm just spitting facts at you, okay? I know, okay? I know, but I it doesn't mean I have to like it. That's fair. Listen, I just want better for her. <laughs> but I can never get it. Well, but you're not going to get it. I know, I can never get it. That's what I said. You don't have to rub salt in the wound, Taylor. I've known this for years now. Well, you're never gonna get it. Never gonna get it. Never gonna get it. Never gonna get it. <laughs> what a ride. What, what a, a rush. Ride. An adrenaline rush? Absolutely. I would like to introduce something I like to call the tip, which is the Twilight Fun Fact of the Week. Love it. Um, because I am such a know-it-all. So if you ever want to know more about the Twilight Saga, just stick around to the end of the episode and I will give you some fun or not so fun facts that are canon about said series. And this week, I thought we would start with something that's pretty common. And that is that Stephanie Meyer has gone on record to say that the iconic meadow scene in chapter 13 came to her in a dream, which is what birthed the Twilight Saga. And it was the first chapter she wrote for the series and she continued on to the end of the book before writing the first 12 chapters. That's really interesting. And I'm going to have to like, when we hit that, see if anything like changes, knowing that she wrote that first. Yeah. Like the writing style or just any, if there's any subtle sort of shifts. Yeah. I think that would be interesting. I, I, I'm the type of writer that I can't start from the middle. I have to start from the beginning. That's so boring. Sometimes. Really? Yeah. Or I just will write random scenes and then I'll fill in things in there or I'll start with a character or a line. I, I don't necessarily have to go linear. That's insane. That's so cool though. Yeah. I mean, or it's just really chaotic, chaotic evil, but whatever. Oh, no, that's 100% chaotic for sure. But (laughs) maybe, maybe I'll get to that at some point in my writing career. I don't know yet. But yeah, that is our first episode. Taylor, how are you feeling? I'm feeling great. I'm so excited to keep, keep on going because there's so much more gold to mine within the pages of these. These long ass books. We're reading them so that you at home don't have to. <laughs> but you should. I feel like you well, should. No, yeah. <laughs> if you want. <laughs> but yeah, this is fun. I'm very excited to see what's to come in terms of funny things that I remember, don't remember. Agreed. Yeah. So. Thank you for joining us for our first episode, and I hope you had as much fun as we had. And remember, when in forks, don't forget to recount your baby days. Bye, everyone.
You just listened to an episode of Win and Forks, brought to you by Anchor, an app that makes it super easy for anyone to make a dope podcast. So what are you waiting for? Get started. You can follow Taylor directly on Twitter at alphaba underscore Anne and on Instagram at Taylor underscore Gates underscore. You can follow me, Ajay, at Black Girl Lead on Twitter and Ajay Nolan directly on Instagram. You can follow the show directly at Win and Forks on both. Feel free to email us at winandforkspodcast at gmail.com with any questions, comments, concerns, fan fictions, hate mail, whichever you prefer. And please don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes. And if you're lucky, we just might read it on the show.